When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, welcome to this electrifying episode of Talking Cars with uh, myself and... Yeah, me. Today we are talking about budget electric cars. Yep, these are the top 10 affordable electric cars. And, you know, having been an automotive journalist now for 10 years, the cool thing is I actually got to drive most of these and so did you. Well, some of them. I wish that was true, Dad, but I'm missing quite a number of them. Um, but I am very excited about the models we are talking about today because I am a, a huge fan of electric cars. I'm a huge fan of saving money. And when you combine the two, there's a lot of potential cost savings, a lot of fun to be had, and a lot of great deals out there. Yeah, and before we get into this uh, top ten list, let's kind of define what we're talking about. We're not talking about Teslas here for the most part. We're talking about what was or is uh, generally referred to as California compliance cars. Uh, and you want to explain that, or you want me to do it? Um, yes, do you want to explain it? Sit back and relax, or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. Sure. So, um, I don't know how long ago it was. Um, it's lost in the uh, mist of my brain, but California mandated that if you wanted to sell cars in California, a certain percent of percentage of them had to be electric. Uh, and so the manufacturers basically scrambled uh, to create electric cars uh, that they usually only sold in California or what's called the smile states, which are yeah. kind of the states that uh, are bordering uh, the uh, United States on the two coasts. Uh, uh, and most of these cars were either sold or, better yet, leased uh, for very affordable amounts of money, some as cheap as $99 a month. Uh, and uh, now they have actually returned to uh, the open market, uh, and you can get them not just, uh, well, in California, but you can get them in the entire United States, even though they were never originally sold there. For instance, the smart EV that we have, which we'll get to, is one of those cars that we end up buying in uh, Omaha, of all places. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. And that was a vehicle that was only sold in California. How did it end up in Oklahoma? Yeah. Tulsa, I don't know. And the interesting thing about these compliance cars is, as you mentioned, in order for these manufacturers to continue selling their gas cars, the state made them sell a certain number of electric vehicles and a lot of these are gas platforms that have been converted to electricity which is admittedly not a great way to do it but it results in vehicles that in some cases actually are even more reliable than the uh, their gasoline equivalents higher performance than their gasoline equivalents and a lot more fun than their gasoline equivalents and you mentioned that they've ended up around the country 
it's not that originally they were sold in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's that someone at some point had shipped one over, and then uh, someone at another point may have shipped another one to Reno, Nevada, and then uh, to Atlanta, I, I, Georgia. They've kind of ended up all across yeah, the U.S. I think, I think what happened with them is it ended up at car auctions, right? And then dealers uh, from around the country uh, bought them, and then they got distributed throughout the entire country. And you're absolutely right. A lot of these cars actually solved the problems and the biggest problems that the gas versions of them had. And the best thing about them is that they're really dirt cheap now. Uh, We've got uh, in this list the original price and how much you can get them for now. Uh, And um, it's pretty staggering. The downside, of course, is because they're kind of the, the, let's call it, Electric car 1.0, the range isn't great, right? Tesla, for instance, which is not on this list because um, it really wasn't a compliance car. It was sold in the entire United States from the get-go, always had a lot of range. Um, Many of these vehicles, because like you said, Tommy, they were regular cars that they were electrified, didn't have the amount of range that people expect. And when I say amount of range that people expect, I I think you got to at least to 200 miles uh, before it becomes kind of – a, a practical only car, right? You can have a car with less range as your second car, but if you want a car that you know is your only car, the car that you can easily drive all day and all night and the next day and the next night and the next day without recharging, then you're probably uh, not going to buy one of these. But it's important to note, a lot of these cars actually on the list are yep. compliance. Some of them aren't. Yep. Some of these cars are ground-up EVs yep. that are, have also depreciated. And the, the, we'll, we'll talk about this more as we go on, but you'll, you'll notice that there's a huge amount of depreciation based on the original MSRP. And that's, I think, largely because the technology is evolving so fast. It's kind of like buying a, an old iPhone, right? An iPhone 4 doesn't have a lot of value now when the current model is a 10. You know, that's a really good analogy. It's like buying an old iPhone. It still works, right? You can still make phone calls on it. You can still send text. You can still go online with it does everything that the new iPhone does. It's just not as cool and probably not as fast and not as, well, in this case, with as much range. So let's get right to it. Um, uh, This one I got to drive uh, with Nathan. Uh, It's the Toyota RAV4 uh, EV, uh, and that came out of a partnership uh, actually between Toyota and Tesla. So it had Tesla batteries. It did, and it had a range of 103 miles this was not the very first RAV4 EV. Right. Believe it or not, Toyota did experiment with an electric RAV4 with the first generation, the really small RAV4. This is the second generation, really, RAV4 EV with lithium-ion batteries versus old school, like nickel metal hydrates or lead acid. So it's got modern battery tech. It's got a pretty decent range, 103 miles, and it had a pretty staggering MSRP back in 2012 of $49,800. Yeah, there's a story behind this. Uh, and the story goes that Akio Toyota, the uh, not Toyota, uh, not Toyota, the Toyota, he's the CEO, got together with Elon Musk at one point and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we uh, licensed your tech, if we can borrow your motors and your batteries? And Elon said, heck yes, you can have the Tesla tech, uh, and then went back and said, charge them up the wazoo for it. <laughs> and uh, apparently the cost of the batteries and the motor from Tesla was so expensive that it uh, not only drove the price of the vehicle almost to $50,000, uh, but uh, it's also, so I guess Toyota keeps kind of a point scale in how reliable their cars are. Uh, and if the points get too high, uh, then it goes off the scale uh, and Toyota like, doesn't want to actually build the vehicle because reliability is a key metric that they use. And, and this is the um, Toyota 
that actually went off the scale in terms of its reliability, and not in a good way. Yeah, not in a good way. No. But front-wheel drive only. Yep, which is kind of weird because a RAV4 is for – I mean, that's why you're buying it's a RAV4. It's available in all-wheel drive. Right, yeah. 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 And – um, nowadays, you can pick them up between twelve and you know, in some cases, for a really nice one twenty thousand. So they've held their value pretty well compared to some of the vehicles on our list. But if you are looking for one of the first electrified crossovers, this is not a bad option. And compared to like the new Rav Four Prime, which is going to be all, probably four times as much realistically. Yeah, sure. And it's not full electric. Yeah. This is not a bad offering. So a lot of these cars with you know one hundred eighty. 100 to 80 miles of range are perfect second cars. So if you need a car to just cruise around the city in, to go grocery shopping in, to commute in, these are really great choices because they tend to be extremely reliable. There's not a lot to break in any of these. Yeah, and keep in mind, I said this one was off the scale in terms of unreliability for Toyota, but off the scale in terms of unreliability for Toyota is still on the scale for most manufacturers. Yeah, for sure. I remember one of these popped up not too long ago, maybe like a year ago on Craigslist. And I was like wowed by it. And I think it sold for like – it was here in Denver. Once again, it was only sold I think in California. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, um, I think it was like 15000 if I remember right. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. And I have a story. So uh, I got to drive this car. I think it was in San Diego with Nathan. Um, and uh, Toyota at the time had a, uh, an agency called Allison & Partners. Maybe they still have it. I'm not sure as their kind of representative company that deals with the media. And the girl from Allison and – partners wanted to go in the car with us and we usually don't like that because well it's hard to review a car when you've got you know a a toyota rep sitting over your shoulder Uh, but it was such an unusual car that we said sure uh, come on Um, and I, i think she didn't realize that much of video production is uh, not doing much but driving up and down the road uh with uh you know a cameraman standing next to the road yeah and taking you know what i think it was in arizona actually because i remember it was bloody hot and she had to stand by the side of the road for a very long time as Nathan drove back and forth, back and forth. And I sat there shooting the cars. It kept going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and I, I think that cured her of the notion of wanting to go with us and shoot a video because what you see when the finished product is uh, done is not the same as when, you know, the sausage is being made. Yep, you're, you're a thousand percent right. It's uh, it's pretty a dull, pretty much a dull experience. But, so that's funny she stuck around. Pretty much it was, you know, a regular RAV4 with an electric motor and only front-wheel drive. Now, I do do not believe that it had fast charging. Do you remember? I don't remember if it had fast charging. I don't think it did. I do remember that, uh, like all electric cars, it was very torquey. Yep. Uh, which is, you know, electric cars have a couple of really great advantages going for them. First, if you charge them up overnight, which is now that we've owned an electric car for the last year, the way that... Uh, most people, I think, end up doing it uh, because, you know, you don't want to do it during the day when you're trying to drive it. Uh, it's relatively cheap, right, because electricity varies uh, uh, during the week when businesses are running air conditioners. It's expensive. At night when electricity isn't being used, the grid isn't stressed, it's it's inexpensive. So they're much cheaper, and uh, you know, maybe 20% of what it costs to actually drive a car. That That's a fair number. So, you know. Instead of paying a dollar a mile, you might pay 20 cents a mile. Yeah. Uh, they're also extremely um, trouble-free just because there isn't a lot for them to break, right? There's, there's no fluids. There's no oil. There's no nothing except for windshield wiper fluid, right? Yeah. Uh, joking, of course. Squirty fluid that you put on the windshield. Um, 
blinker fluid. Uh, and um, so, you know, electric motors don't break. Batteries tend to be very reliable. And you don't use your brake much because a lot of them have regen, so you don't have to replace brakes. So there's a lot of advantages to electric cars. They're pretty much about as hassle-free of a vehicle as you can get. Number nine on our list is the Chevrolet Bolt. And this is interesting you look at the car and you think, oh, that's been a converted gas car, like a compliance vehicle. But the Bolt was a ground-up design from General Motors. It's actually one of the longer-range vehicles on this list, over 200 miles of range, up to 238 miles of range. And it's not a compliance car. It's, it was sold nationally. Yeah, it was. The original MSRP was about thirty-seven grand in 2017, and now you can pick them up between like eighteen and maybe $20,000. So they, they've almost appreciated half from what they were when they were brand new. And they are good cars, if not a little bit, a little boring. Yeah, so I remember when the Bolt first rolled out, it was when uh, Mary Barra became the CEO of uh, GM, and I was at the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, and i got to be honest, dude, when that thing rolled out, I thought they were doing like an April Fool's joke because I was <laughs> expecting, you know, at that time, GM had the Volt, which was actually a pretty cool, interesting design, right? The first generation looked uh, really unique, like nothing of its Kind and the Volt. The difference between the Volt and the Bolt, of course, is that the Volt is a serial hybrid, which means that uh, it has a gasoline engine that then charges up a battery that then powers um, the front wheels. Uh, and the Bolt is a pure EV. Uh, battery powers the front wheels. But basically, um, they created uh, an economy car with uh, range to match, you know, the Tesla. Um, and I just thought that they really missed an opportunity to create something stunning because GM has been uh, building electric cars longer than I, I think any manufacturer in recent history, right, with the EV1. And they've got a deep history in battery tech. And then why they decided to do, uh, like, basically an economy car that's front-wheel drive, I, I never understood. And this is the thing, right, Tommy? The reason economy cars are front-wheel drive is because you take the engine in the car and you turn it sideways and it frees up a lot of room um, and it creates a lot more passenger space and then you stick the two wheels on and it makes sense. But with an electric motor, you don't have to do that. You could you could put it anywhere. And it's much better from a driving perspective to have a rear-wheel drive car that where the rear wheels power the car and the front wheels steer versus having the front wheels do both steer and power the car. So why all electric cars aren't rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive I don't get why the Bolt doesn't have a frunk I don't get there's just a lot of like like engineering that, that somehow escaped GM when they designed it I asked Hyundai why their EVs are front-wheel drive yeah. and they, they pointed out something interesting and they said you get much more efficient regenerative braking when the vehicle is front-wheel drive that's a good point because you can um, you're pushing the front yeah, wheels you're, you're pushing the front wheels basically so you are able to really jack up the rate at which it can recharge the battery from when you coast the bolt is a very well engineered car i think we have to we have to say that it's got uh, dc fast charging it's got yes. an extremely large battery the early ones were 60 kilowatt hours and the new ones are about 66 kilowatt hours it, it's got a pretty interesting interior it's, it's well laid out it's a it's a very well thought out car in my opinion. It's just not very exciting. It's got 200 horsepower, which is pretty good. So it's it's by no means it's very slow. Tor- it's very yeah, torquey. 266 pound feet of torque. When you floor it, I mean, that's the other thing, right? When you're doing a front wheel drive car, you tend to get uh, torque steer. When you're doing a rear wheel drive car, you tend to get no torque steer because you're not steering and powering. But here's the question for you, dude. Okay, so we have the smart car, right? We'll, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, and that also has regen. Yeah. But that's a rear-wheel drive car. Have you noticed that the rear, rear regen is any worse because it's rear-wheel drive? 
Does it seem to make it any? I mean, I haven't, I haven't been able to tell it. Yeah, because like when you're braking, right? Seventy percent of your braking power comes from the front wheels because that's the way the physics work. And sure. so the, the, the reverse of that, when you're regening, would also be true. But with the smart car, we have rear wheel. Uh, drive and rear wheel regen, and yet it seems to work just fine. I'm, it, not, I'm not arguing with the uh, It's also kind of a toaster. I mean, it's a it's a perfect little cube, and you sit over pretty much the rear wheels, and it's very light as EVs go. So, so you're, you're saying my big ass is, is providing a lot more weight over the over rear wheels. Over the rear wheels, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's I'm possible. wondering if you dial up the size of the vehicle, if that'll change. Uh, but, so, so the bolt, the coolest thing on the bolt, right? Yep. And I did go on this one, was the, the, the torque is fun. Uh, and it was the first GM vehicle that had uh, the rearview mirror where you could switch it from a regular oh, rearview yeah, mirror cool. uh, to a rear-facing camera. Uh, and I thought that was way cool because the camera, of course, gives you uh, the ability to see uh, what's out the rear window in case you have a lot of passengers in the rear seat or a lot of stuff in the rear, right, because you can't see out the back window. Yep. Uh, and it also gives you a much wider and much clearer view. Um, it also is a little disconcerting because of the, the field of focus changes so rapidly from when you're looking forward. And, and, and some people have a hard time with it, some people don't. But I thought that was one of the coolest bits of tech on the car. Uh, but I was just disappointed. I wanted, you know, I wanted the Jetsons car from GM, and what I got was a small kind of economy, well-engineered economy car that probably, um, you know, isn't isn't like going to compete with Tesla because uh, while they're still being built, right? Uh, they're not exactly flying off the shelves, and they still have their full uh, federal tax credit of 7500 And we should talk about that, right? We should talk about the, t- the tax credits. So if you buy a new vehicle, you EV can vehicle, get yeah, yeah. a new electric vehicle, yeah. You can get up to $7,500 in federal tax credits. From the companies that still have their tax credits. But this doesn't really apply to this list at because these are used EVs. And right. you so don't get the credit on the used EVs. And that's, that's one of the reasons why they depreciate so quickly because then the market comes in and actually sets the value based on supply and demand not based on what the government is doing by putting their finger on that scale, right? So you don't get the state credit, which is in Colorado, is 4000 and you don't get the federal credit, which is 7500 So if you do buy a new EV, you're going to get in Colorado at least over $10,000 worth of money back from the, from the government. Uh, and that, I think, is one of the reasons why the prices on these are so low. But having said that, a new Bolt is still a $40,000 car, Tommy. I think it's important to note as well that the Bolt is – probably the only vehicle on our list that could be used for most people as their only vehicle because with 240-ish miles of range, DC fast charging, this is a good replacement for a traditional uh, hatchback, for example, like a Chevrolet Spark Gas or a Chevrolet um, Sonic. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 the most uh, competitive. And I keep using Tesla, and you guys thinking, well, why are you using Tesla? And that's because Tesla is the standard for electric cars. It just is. So the next vehicle on our list is a BMW i3. Yeah. This is a small luxury vehicle produced by BMW starting in 2014. It was expensive when it was new, over $42,000 base. And the original models had two configurations. There was a full electric called a BEV, and there was also a uh, something called a REX, R-E-X. What's a REX, Tommy? That was the range-extended electric vehicle. So the idea with the battery electric is you had a, an electric motor and a big battery. When the battery died, you were stuck. The idea with the, uh, the BEV is that you'd have a big battery and an electric motor, but when the battery died, you'd have this little two-cylinder gas engine that would supply electricity to keep you going down the road. But it's not really a plug-in hybrid because a plug-in hybrid you can drive around 
any day of the week using just the gasoline right. engine. This was just specifically designed as a range extender to get you to the next charger. Now, the original i3 You know could what that means in practical terms? What? That when your battery dies and you have to drive around using the extender, you lose a lot of horsepower and torque. It yeah. Basically, it basically is like, like kind of like a, a better version of limp home mode. It's not, it doesn't give you full power. It'll get you to the charger, though, and that's what matters for most people. Now, the original models would do about 80 miles of range if you got the full electric one. It's a little bit more than that, but roughly 80. And then if you got the range extender, you could up that up to about 150 is is what the uh, the, the, the rating is at. So... There are two different price ranges. The full electric is, is more affordable than the range extended model. I've actually been looking at these a lot recently. So like a 2015 battery electric model will be <laughs> about twelve to 15,000 for a good one. With not a lot of miles. No, with almost no miles. We're like 30,000, 40,000 miles. And then if you get the range extender, that'll be closer to fourteen to sixteen grand because those are more desirable as they can go farther. But keep in mind, we're talking about a fully equipped luxury vehicle that when it was new was close to fifty grand in some cases that you can now pick up just five years later for fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, so when BMW came out with the i3, which was by the way not a California compliance vehicle, they sold it in the entire country. They also came out with the i8, right? So you had these two kind of bookend cars. You had this crazy cool i8 with like, you know, scissor doors, uh, and lots of horsepower and one of the sexiest and one of the best looking cars ever. And then you had this really kind of weird Taller than wider, which is never good in a car. Tall wheels, thin wheels, right? Uh, economy car with uh, clamshell doors and a lot of really expensive and I think interesting uh, technology. So the, the the chassis, for instance, is I think carbon fiber monocoque, right? It's this, it's this one chassis. And then all the materials in it are uh, either natural or um, like bamboo or are made out of recycled materials. Yeah, it's uh, really cool. Yeah, BMW, I mean, put a lot of thought, a lot of energy, and a lot of money behind the i3 um, and made you know the BMW of electric cars. Uh, unfortunately, um, I think the design is just kind of awkward and ungainly, uh, and it's not particularly fast. It's not particularly... Um, Groundbreaking in that it, it goes like a a long way on just battery power, um, but it is a good kind of fun secondary car if you're going around town doing errands, and I think it did do very well in crash testing. So in, in a lot of ways, it's cool, and unlike a lot of these, it's also rear-wheel drive. Yeah, it is. It's 168 horsepower, uh, up to 184, depending on the year and the configuration you get. There's now like an i3S, for example. The... The uh, the gasoline version had a 1.9 gallon fuel tank, so basically it was it was pretty much a two cylinder BMW motorcycle engine. It was available with DC fast charging, which is a huge plus. And like I said on this list, they're probably the most luxurious, it, very well made. The batteries, as they start to age, have proven to be quite uh, quite reliable. So a lot of the big concerns with some of these EVs is that the uh, the battery will degrade over time. For almost all the cars on this list, it, that's not the case. Most of these cars are very well engineered. It's actually pretty staggering, right, just how uh, how good and how resilient the batteries are over you know up to 10 years of time. Yeah, so for example... Better the, than actually some of the internal combustion engines. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you know vehicles on the... Except for one. 
Yeah, well, I said one, yeah. I've seen vehicles on this list with, you know, 130, 140,000 miles, and they still have 90% of their battery capacity. So the batteries are proving, as as now we're starting to see close to a decade, some of these cars, to be quite quite, quite reliable, except for one, which we'll talk about as we yeah, get to this it. This may be a good time to just take a bit of a break and talk about the different kinds of charging, because uh, that is very important. You want to kind of talk about level one, level two, and fast charging? Yeah, so level one is like what, what EV people call a granny lead. And that is what is typically supplied with the vehicle. So it's a three-prong outlet that you plug into your house. And that will deliver typically two to four miles of charge uh, of range every hour. So yeah. every hour it charges up, you'll get an additional three miles of range, for example. So, so if, if a car has 30 miles of range, that'll take you 10 hours to get that battery full. Right. It's not a great solution, but if you step up to level two charging... Which is your dryer. Yeah, that's going to be like a dryer. That's 240 volts, yeah. uh, much higher amperage as well. So typically you can get anywhere between like mm, 20 and 25 miles of range every hour. So 10 times the rate at which the granny lead will charge. Yeah, that's what we use when we have our Tesla at home, right? It's got a, it's got a range of about 300 miles. And most of the time, you could charge it up overnight unless it's completely empty, right? Because you'll get 250 miles of range in 10 hours, which is yeah, you but know, overnight. I think a misconception, too, is you're never, never really, really going to be at empty. I mean, uh, most, of these, hopefully not. Most, yeah, most of these cars are not going to be charging from 0 to 100. You might be going from 20% to 80%. It's pretty typical. Uh, and then you've got level 3 charging. Fast charging. Yeah, so level 1 and 2 are AC or alternating current. DC is direct current. So level 3 is direct current. And that's... Whew, that you can get several hundred miles of range gained every hour, depending on the charger and the car's capability. So that's kind of the ultimate that you need if you want to go on a long-distance trip, because level one and level two, you could be charging for hours and hours to get anywhere, whereas level three, on a lot of these vehicles, they say you can get 80% of charge in yeah. 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah, and let's say even around town, right, you, you um, decide that you want to go to work, and then you have to run some errands, and all of a sudden you're out of power and you can't get home with fast charging. You can top up the car in 15, 20 minutes enough to get you back home. Uh, and so fa- fast charging is a, a key thing I would look for when buying uh, one of these used vehicles. And some have it and some don't. And usually the more expensive ones had it and the cheaper ones didn't. Number seven on our list is the Hyundai Ionic, And the Ionic is interesting because they had several different configurations of the vehicle. They had a, a standard hybrid. They had a full electric. And they also had a plug-in hybrid. The one we're talking about on the list is the full electric. The, uh, an Ionic in 2017 would have been about thirty grand. Now they're like... 15 to 17 grand. They have an EPA rated range of about 124 miles, and they are really good cars. I believe that the electric was only available in California. In California. It's a California compliance car. Yep, yeah. and uh, a very efficient vehicle too, 136 MPGE combined, which is a very respectable number. Extremely well made. I've only driven the hybrid version, but the hybrid was fun to drive. So I think this is a, a great, probably one of the best options on the list that nobody thinks about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think people just don't think of Hyundai when they think of um, electric cars, and they should, uh, because um, they really have spent and are spending a lot of money on alternative uh, technologies. And uh, this car is relatively new, right? This is a 2017 uh, and so it's it's barely a used car. A lot of these cars are going to be much cheaper because they're older cars. But, yeah, it certainly is one of the ones that I would put on my list. You want to go to number six? I actually drove this one. Yeah, six. Uh, and our buddy Alex Donato's actually owned one of these. Yep. The first-generation Kia Soul EV. That was a California compliance car as well. 
Yeah, um, about 93 miles of range. They're about 12 grand on the used market. Battery cooling and some of the early ones, unfortunately, is air-cooled. And, and just like a car, uh, batteries need to be uh, just climate like a car. controlled. Just like a gasoline people, just car. Just like people in a car, yeah. batteries need to be climate controlled. And when they're air-cooled, especially when they get hot, they tend to overheat. And then that's when you start to see the big degradation in battery life when the batteries get really, really hot. Yeah, I drove this when it was new in California. Once again, a compliance car. Uh, and my biggest uh, disappointment in this car was, okay, the Kia Soul for... for um, a lot of uh, hamsters is the perfect car out there, uh, and for a lot of people, it's the perfect car because it's just the right size. It's one of those not too big, not too small, right? It's cute. It fits, um, you know, you and your friends, you and your stuff. It's just, it's just kind of hits the sweet spot for a lot of people in what they need. Uh, the biggest downside, being a car enthusiast, that I thought about the Kia Soul, having you know driven some of these other cars that we're going to get to pretty soon, was that Kia tuned it in such a way that um, one of the cool things about electric cars is just the amount of torque they have. And this is a front-wheel drive car, uh, and you're never going to have any issues with torque steer. Basically, they, they dialed down the torque uh, and dialed up the uh, and dialed up the, 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 the range, right? So you, there's this balance between like how much power you're using to accelerate and how much power you're saving for range in the battery. And, and in this case, Kia chose to... Uh, give it more range and less acceleration. And as an automotive enthusiast, I like the fact that electric cars are very torquey. This one isn't so torquey. But it's very practical. Yeah, and they actually hold their value pretty well for some of these EVs. Yeah, it's a sweet spot in, in cars. Does it have a fast charger, do you know? Yeah, it, it had Chatamo, I believe. Oh, yeah. So was it, So let's, we should talk about the different kinds of uh, charging, right? So there are basically, what, four uh, different... Three different charge, charging... Uh, four. Four, yeah. So and it's different in Europe. So basically, Tesla's so got their own it's thing. It's proprietary, yeah. Yep, so level one, level two, all, all all different for Tesla. It's the smallest of the three plugs. It's this very thin little plug, probably about the size of a, of a silver dollar. And then every other... Uh, Every other EV in the U.S. Right. for level one and level two charging uses a standardized plug called the J1772. So the Leaf, the Soul, the i3, the Bolts, they all use a 1772 plug for both slow charging and then level two charging. And then when they you use go, a big thing, it's like this big, like it's almost like the size of a gas pump. It's a big kind of. Yeah. yeah. And then when you go to DC fast charging, there are two different standards. Well, with Tesla 3. Cause Tesla does, 3, yeah. So Tesla does all three of those kinds of charging on one plug. But with every other manufacturer, there's a, two different standards for DC fast charging. There's something called a Chatamo. Which is what Nissan pioneered. And Nissan was one of the first companies out there doing electric cars with the Leaf. So that was an early standard. Yep. And that, that's used pretty much almost exclusively now by the Japanese automakers. And then the new style is something called CCS, which is a combined system, which the, the top portion of it is a standard uh, 1772, and then the bottom portion has these two prongs, which plug into a separate port on the vehicle, and DC. that's... That's going to be your uh, your fast charging. And you know it's crazy. Uh, you, we just we were just talking about this the other day when Tesla started doing their chargers. Uh, they actually uh, um, allowed other manufacturers to use their patent on their charger, uh, and nobody took them up on it. They all decided to go with either Chatmo or um, CCS. So now we have this kind of mishmash of different kinds of chargers depending on. You know, it's it's you know what it is. It's like it's like the PC Apple War all over again. Everybody's everybody has their own proprietary um, 
way of doing things. Um, like Firewire, if you're old enough to remember Max, that became their way. Uh, and I think at some point it will become one standard, but right now it's it's all over the place. The next vehicle on our list is the Volkswagen e-Golf, a vehicle that we actually had some experience with because we got a long-term um, tester which was cool. Now, the e-Golf has a couple of different batteries depending on the year, but the range will vary between 83 to about 125 miles. Definitely spend more, in my opinion, for the later ones. The first gens can be had for like 10 to 12K, but the later ones are going to be more expensive. Which I think is a bargain, Tommy. Basically, you're getting one of the best cars in the world, the Golf, right? Yep. Uh, with all of its great driving dynamics, all of its great... Uh, utility, all of its great build quality, and you're getting it as an electric vehicle. Uh, and I think uh, it's got a lot of cool options. It was one of my favorite. It is one of my favorites on this list. Um, you know, the biggest downside is range. Yeah, but the later ones with 125 is pretty usable. We're okay, yeah. It never once did we feel range anxiety with our. I think it was a 19 model. And the Germans are really. Um, known for underrating their cars. Yeah, and it was definitely underrated. It was more like 130 miles of range. The cool thing about the e-Golf is, depending on the trim, it's available with a heat pump. And one of the big concerns with electric cars, which is an absolute uh, valid concern, is that in the wintertime, the range is uh, significantly less than it is in the summer. The batteries are less efficient. So typically, if a vehicle has like 100 miles of range in the summer, that could decrease down to like 80 or even 70 miles of range in the wintertime, perhaps less depending on where you live. And it also depends, we'll, we'll get to this as well, whether the batteries are actually um, climate controlled. Uh, because when they are climate controlled, you can actually keep them in their kind of happy zone uh, in terms of their um, amount of energy they're putting out. When they're not, then you're kind of stuck with whatever the ambient temperature is, be it too hot or too cold. So the e-Golf, like I mentioned, has a heat pump, which is greatly, uh, which greatly improves the efficiency of the vehicle in the wintertime because you don't have to run a, a standard heater when it gets really cold. Electric heater, yeah. Tesla finally went to a heat pump in the Model Y. It took them a while. And a lot of people um, who you know are uh, EV fanboys uh, have always criticized Tesla for not having a heat pump. Uh, and eventually in the Model Y, they did go to it. Um, you know, the Volkswagen is one of my favorite cars. I, I thought uh, it was a bargain. Uh, and Volkswagen has seriously committed to building electric cars, right? They're saying by, I think, 2025, all of their cars are going to be electric. Uh, and you're going to just see a lot of Volkswagen electric cars coming out. And they're kind of having teething problems with it right now. They've got the new ID series. Don't ask me why it's ID. It's still baffling to me. Uh, but there's an ID3, there's an ID4, uh, and they're coming. Uh, but um, if you want kind of the the first, you know, first at bat with electric cars, uh, the e-Golf isn't a bad way to go. Uh, and that was also a California compliance car. You know that. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're right. So the next vehicle on our list is the Chevrolet Spark EV. Yeah, that's got that's got the distinction of of the only car on this list that will tear the wheel out of your hands with crazy torque steer because it's a they i don't know what gm was thinking i remember when that rolled out at the auto show uh it had the highest amount of torque out of any of these electric cars going through the front wheels crazy it, it had 130 horsepower which is not that impressive no, but the <laughs> torque was amazing you have 400 pound feet of torque which was like camaro ss levels through yeah. this tiny tiny little front wheel drive car the battery uh, changed in 15, so they went from a uh, 21 kilowatt hour lithium ion phosphate battery in the early ones 
to a 19 kilowatt hour LG Chem battery in the later ones. Uh, and the, the later ones, I think, lost a little bit of the performance. So if you want the crazy high performance one, you want to get the uh, the very first one, the, the 2014 car. Yeah, uh, they were originally like $27,000. And by the way, the Golfs were originally about thirty six. Uh, and they're now, like you said, twelve. Uh, the Spark um, is now down to about nine to ten thousand uh, for those crazy uh, early cars. They come in some funky colors. I was just looking at Craigslist, and there was like this uh, canary blue, almost Tiffany blue color that looked like something out of a nineteen eighties Camaro. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, I remember uh, when that pulled out onto the stage at the auto show when they first debuted it. Uh, I think they actually did do a front wheel drive burnout, and I was just like, my jaw dropped, and I was like, now this is. Uh, crazy cool. Uh, the car itself, like you said, is um, pretty funky looking. Yeah, four doors, so pretty practical. About eighty miles of range, not crazy range, but yeah. if you plan accordingly, you can you can definitely get your destination. It was available with DC fast charging as well. Imagine if that had been rear wheel drive. You know, you you, you could have done an eleven all day long, but it is the hot rod of all these cars. This is kind of the classic example of the the pinnacle of the compliance car, in that it was initially designed, of course, as a gasoline economy hatchback, and then they threw some batteries in, into it and converted it into an EV to meet the uh, the regulations. But the cool thing about this one is they they definitely had some fun with it with the crazy torque number. So definitely look into the Spark EV if you want one of the more fun vehicles on our list. We go to number three. This is the one that I would highly recommend. This is the most fun on this entire list. And this is the one that's dirt cheap right now. And it's dirt cheap because the company has a reputation for bad reliability. And this car is extremely reliable because it's electric. So what is this car, Tommy? Yeah, the Fiat 500e. These were $33,000 in 2019. Now they are typically less than seven grand. Uh, the range range is is like eighty four to eighty seven miles depending on the year, but huge amounts of fun. These were actually quicker from like zero to thirty than the Abarth, which was the high performance gasoline, gasoline version with the turbo. Uh, extremely fun to drive, really quirky on the inside, cool to look at, and dirt cheap nowadays. Yeah, I love the car. I, I, like I say, once again, a California compliance car. This was one I think you could lease for like that was like one of those ninety nine dollar leases where FCA decided that they had to have an electric car, and so they picked the most fun uh, vehicle and made it electric. I think it's um, just um, the, the car that the people don't understand much about. They think, you know, here's the problem, right? Uh, initially when, and we'll get to this in the next list, when electric cars came out, uh, they were marketed and sold as green cars, right, as something that's good for the environment, something that gets great fuel economy. Uh, in typical Italian fashion, uh, this car was just kooky and fast and fun. And it comes in, I think, only a few colors. And the one that I would highly recommend, and I think the one at some point we'll end up buying just because it's so cheap and I, we have to have one, is the orange one, right? It's like a like a like a, a popsicle. It's orange and it's got, like, white trim. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing they did with it, which was, I think – Fun. Uh, they said it was because of aerodynamics, but I think it was just because it was cool. Uh, the front on the nose is kind of like a golf ball. It's dimpled, uh, and um, Fiat said it was for obviously uh, aerodynamics. I think it just looked really cool, um, and so you get you get this really cool, fun little Italian car um, whose electric, whose gasoline-powered brother is known for being not very reliable and being very prone for all sorts of problems. And by swapping out that powertrain to an electric motor, you lose all those problems. You keep all the fun, uh, and you have a really cool little like like car. You know, it's, you know what it is? It's like the Vespa of of cars. It's that that kind of cool and hip. 
Yeah, strongly recommend looking into the 500 ES. Have you, dri- have you driven one? No, I haven't. We got to get you into one because I, yeah. I think you're kind of like, hey, I'm not sure about that. I can kind of tell. No, I love him. I talked. I had dinner with the engineer, and I was like. Fifteen years old. I had no idea who he was, but we we spent it's, it's a, it's like an say, hour it, talking about it's this a car. spicy meatball. So number two on our list is um, yeah. a, a very kind of loaded loaded vehicle. Probably the most popular uh, of these cars on the road is the first generation Nissan Leaf. Not a compliance car. No, it's a ground up design, hugely revolutionary. It, it beat the Model S to the market it, coming in 2011 versus the Model S in 2012. Didn't beat the Roadster. Didn't beat the Tesla Roadster, no. But it was really the, the first. It was the every man most, you know, ele- this was a car that was going to make electricity uh, ubiquitous, my favorite word, uh, for propulsion in all cars, right? Yeah. It was supposed to be the car that was supposed to change the world. They sold a ton of them. So we're, of course, talking about the Nissan Leaf. And they sold – yeah, they sold – I think this is still the most popular electric car in the world. Yeah, because, I mean – and you even even across America, this was not only California. These were sold across the U.S. And the world. Yeah, and, and throughout the world. Um, but they're problematic because, especially the early ones, the, the chemistry in the battery, the, the, the type of cooling they use, which was air cooling – and constant DC fast charging really shortens the life of the battery. So you see a lot of these cars, like 2011s and 2012s especially, for like 3500 to four grand. you are like, wow, what a deal for a car that was $32,000 nine years ago. But then you, you look carefully, and the way the, the lease work is they've got these little bars next to the battery indicator. And as the battery starts to lose its, its uh, longevity, those bars decrease. And you'll see a lot of like the 2011 and 2012 cars with 35 miles of range left when, when it would have been 70 yeah. new. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, there's, there's so much you can talk about the Leaf. Um, so I was there. Uh, I feel so old now. I was there when the thing was first being introduced. And this was a classic case of... Overpromise and underperform, right? I remember the PR guys at the time saying, "This is a car that's going to change the world. It's going to revolutionize uh, the way people drive." Yada yada yada, uh, and uh, and it did none of that. Uh, and the important caveat here is the new version of the Leaf has solved all those problems, right? So the new version has a lot more range. The batteries are now. Um, much more reliable. Uh, the styling has gone from being wacky and weird to being uh, more normal. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it 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 came out strong, but uh, at that time, um, the manufacturers I think had convinced themselves of this kind of marketing line that most people don't need to drive more than like 50 miles because most people drive like 10 miles or 15 miles to work so if you double that you get 20 or 40 or 50 miles and so a car with uh, at that time 73 miles of range which was ambitious uh, is all you need Uh, and the fact is um, this is a poster child for range anxiety it just didn't have enough range the batteries depleted very quickly uh, the car was kind of wacky looking, um, and uh, it was very expensive. Uh, and I got to say, the, the coolest thing that I remember about the first gen Leaf was it did have a cool um, navigation system where it would show you on the screen in kind of a round uh, bubble how far you could drive, right? So you, you knew how far you could go with it. And, and that was cool, but now that I think about it, it actually increased range anxiety because Instead of like focusing on where you could drive, you would see the screen and you would see, oh my God, I can't drive to all these places. Uh, I think you missed the mark a little there, Dad. Yeah. Because the issue is not the range. They're right. 73 miles of range is plenty for most people. The issue is that the 
the actual range was significantly less than 73 miles. So, for example, like we have a smart EV, which we'll talk about, which has 68 miles of range. Yep. But it's more than 68 miles of range. It's more like it's 70 or 80. Right. But the Leaf was a little bit overstated, in my opinion, for the first gens, in that it, it was a claimed 73, but realistically it was more like 55. So the, the range indicator and the actual miles we were driving never quite lined up. And if you look at, like, the first-gen Leafs, the very early ones, 2011, 2012s, um, you'll see, like I said, with 40, 50 miles of range remaining now, nine years later, and if you think, well, I'll just stick, stick a new battery in it, you can, but Nissan charges something like $24,000 for a new battery for one of those cars. Is it that much, really? It's, yeah. For a while, I think it was 30000 and and I think yeah, they, and you'll, you'll, that's why they're so cheap, right? Because it's, it's cheaper to replace the, the car than the battery. Yeah, and the later ones were a little better. So by 2017, the batteries had improved a lot. Yeah. They, they jumped up to 107 miles of range, but they're still not, they're still not great. So I would probably steer clear of the first-gen Leafs. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, I think now the problem is you only have one chance to make a first impression. And with the Leaf, the impression wasn't good. And Nissan, like I said, has fixed a lot of the issues. And it is a solid electric car. But you were saying you were looking around Boulder and that the local Nissan dealer has like how many of them? Oh, just like 40 of them. And how much How much discounts are they doing on the, them? Well, that, this is a second-gen Leaf now that they're selling, right. of course. But right. they're like, oof, we're talking... <laughs> Fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars in discounts now on the, the new lease. Yeah, because they have lost their, you know, their federal credits. They still have the local credit. Well, the other cool thing about one of the early Leafs was it actually on the little spoiler had a had a little solar panel uh, that would charge the twelve volt battery, not the big battery. Yeah, it had a little little, and they had some funky colors like blue, and it was an interesting looking car. But especially steer away from Interesting the is a nice way of putting 11s, it. the 2011s and 2012s. So should we go to number one? Yeah, go for it. This is, this is the one we bought. Yeah, number one is probably the most fun on the list. It's the first-generation Smart 4.2 EV. These came out in 2013. They cost about twenty-five dollars to $30,000. They didn't have a lot of range, 68 miles of range, but now they are sixty-eight grand. they are actually extremely well-engineered cars, super quick, and that range is underrated like we talked about. So it's closer to 80 miles of range. Uh, the batteries have held up really well over time they are liquid cooled batteries and if you need a car just to go from point a to point b or to zip around town with there's nothing better than the smart 42 ev yeah and uh, let, let's elaborate on that i know you kind of did that quickly uh originally they were what thirty thousand dollars uh and now we bought ours for seven you can, yeah you, like i just saw five one for, to seven i just saw one for like four and a half and here th- this one has the magic that the that the uh fi- fiat 500e is has and that is the L- non-electric version of the smart was very problematic it had um really bad transmission issues it was not a lot of fun to drive the engine was not a lot a lot of fun to to kind of use and once you got rid of the engine it solved all those problems it made it into this torquey little almost you know go-kart of a vehicle uh, that you can actually tune uh, and that's why we put it at number one on our list because it's the one where you get the most value for the least amount of of money Uh, the other thing about the the smart uh, for two ev is i think it's one of the only two and i've been racking my brain maybe you can think of a third car uh, that can actually be had as a convertible yeah, that's right, because they had both the coupe and the, the Roadster models. Yeah, that was cool. It doesn't have what, fast charging. What's the other one? What's the other electric convertible? Uh, the Roadster. Yep, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have fast charging, which is yeah. might be problematic. So it, it, it's not a car that you would ever really consider road tripping in, and the onboard charger is pretty dinky. 
But if if you're just looking for a car that's super reliable, incredibly fun to drive, it's pretty safe actually. They scored well, believe it or not, in their, their yeah. Crash. They had to. I think they got like 800 airbags. Or something. Yeah, it's basically just a balloon when you crash in there. But <laughs> yeah, it really is a well-engineered car. Funny enough, the the second generation, well, if we're being technical, the fourth generation smart EV, the one that replaced it in 2017, yeah. had less range than the uh, than but the 2016. It didn't. In Europe, it did. Some did. Well, they had like this weird AC charge thing. You could get up to like a twenty-two kilowatt AC if you had like a, I think it was like a four hundred volt outlet in your house. But that never came to the U.S. So, so anyway, we're we're really enjoying ours. Um, if you guys are wondering, we bought it because we wanted to build one of the first electric off-roaders, uh, and um, really we haven't done that with it because uh, it's just so much fun. We, we don't want to mess with like the. If we, we're going to lift it and put big knobby tires on it, but we're having so much fun driving it right now. We're kind of stuck uh, because we're not sure whether we actually do want to lift it and take it off-road. And there's a, actually a practical reason for that, and that is uh, the traction control is very intrusive, and you can't turn it off. Uh, and, and we're afraid that if, if, if you get to a point where you, like, hit a big rock and the wheel can't go over the rock, traction control may actually just turn power off to the wheels, which it can do making it a pretty useless off-roader, and I, we're not sure about it. So uh, Tommy has an idea for What's your idea for uh, our, our smart off-roader? What is my idea? Oh, come on. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to do a gas one. So the gas ones are, are much worse, but they're also typically much cheaper as well. So I'd like to, to make a little pickup truck out of a, a gasoline smart. I think that would be really, really fun. Um, so Let us know in the comments below whether he's... I just want to chop the back off one, put ATV tires on it, and then <laughs> use it as a pickup it does truck. Ha- it does have a little tailgate. It so does, you, yeah. So you have a little tailgate. And I don't know if you can take a Sawzall and cut through the plastic because the panels on a smart car are plastic. Um, so that's his idea. Um, you know, do one video with it. Um, do it into a pickup truck. Uh, you can probably buy one for around three to four k, uh, and then you chop it up, and then you um, make cool content. But you have something that probably doesn't have a lot of value after you do that. So the bonus on our list is What's our bonus time. It's the Mitsubishi iMev. Oh, and this actually weirdest name of any car. Ever. I should clarify. This actually beat the Leaf to the market. Believe it or not, this this came out. I think they started production in two thousand and nine. It's got a tiny battery, 16 kilowatt hours, the smallest on our list. They were 30K when they were new. Yeah, it's got the shortest range. That's the one that looks most like a golf cart. Yeah, 62 miles of range. It had a heated seat, only one heated seat. I remember that. And it was a uh, definitely a quirky little car. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a car that I think a lot of people from the outside dislike immensely, but people that own IMEs absolutely love them. They really love them. Yeah, there's a whole, there was, and there still is a huge community. Uh, right now, you can get them for seven or less K. Uh, uh, it does have some really good perks to it, right? Which is its rear-wheel drive. Yeah, it has fast charging, so it's it got Chatamo. That was really good. It's got Chatamo, which was really, uh, you know, unique at the time. Uh, uh, but um, it is a bit, at least design-wise, a golf cart with a roof and wipers. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not a uh, brilliant design. It wasn't all that much, much fun to drive because it was a little bit like a golf cart with a roof and wipers to drive as well. But, you know, if you uh, want to be the only person on your block with a unique EV, the iMeV is certainly going to be a very rare one. And, you know, I don't think that was a compliance car either. I think that was sold. No, that was a key, a key, key car, right? 
I think that was, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that was sold through all Mitsubishi dealerships. You could get it in most states. You didn't have to just go to California to pick it was, one up. It was also sold as a Peugeot and a uh, Citroën, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So what, which one of these cars on this list would you choose, if you could choose one? Um, I would get the Fiat 500e um, just because uh, I remember uh, walking away from that with the, the biggest smile on my face. And, and at that time, if I had been in California, I probably would have leased one because they were dirt cheap. Uh, but I was in California now for seven thousand. It's got to be the orange one, the popsicle, uh, and maybe that's that's one in our future when uh, you know when we move on to the next budget EV. Um, you know, this list of cars uh, is kind of like an entryway into electric cars, right? Um, if if you don't, if you're not sure whether uh, electric cars are for you, if you're worried about the technology, if you're worried about range. If you're worried about, hey, can I live with something that I can't go to the gas station and fill up, uh, but you're kind of intrigued by it, uh, this is, you know, for $7,000, um, this is a really great way to get into electric cars. And the other thing that people are using these for, and Nathan's one of them actually, is they're thinking about getting these as first cars for uh, their kids. Yeah, which <laughs> that's a pretty good idea, I think. In would a you want one when you were 16? Heck yeah, I would have loved a smart EV. I yeah. thought they were really cool. 68 miles, you know, as a kid is about as far as they'd ever need to go, realistically, go, going to and from school, to and from friends' houses. So, yeah, for sure. I think my favorite on this list is the smart car just because it's so weird. It was well-engineered and they're very affordable. But, you know, if you if you need something a little more practical, I think the Spark EV is probably the craziest one on this list. So look into that one. And, guys, have we forgotten any cars? Keep in mind there's a lot like the Twingo, right, that we don't get. Yeah, Europe has a whole fleet of cars that we never got here that, in the U.S. That we never that we never got, uh, and of course, you know, the, the elephant in the room uh, is Tesla because uh, Tesla now rules uh, the electric car uh, world, uh, and the traditional manufacturers, I think, are having a hard time catching up with them. You know, Volkswagen, um, Mercedes just came out with the EQC. Uh, and it was such a um, problematic launch that they actually uh, postponed it here for the U.S. Uh, Audi uh, and Jaguar have uh, the, and I'm talking about these because they're now used. You can buy these, right? But they're expensive. They're expensive. So, so you can get a, uh, a Jaguar E-Pace. Uh, no, I-Pace, sorry. It's, it should be E-Pace, but it's I-Pace. Uh, and that's a, one of the few cars, electric cars, that actually can go off-road. I, I drove it down a river uh, in Greece. Uh, uh, and that's a really interesting car. It's cab-forward design. Um, it's, um, you know, it's the Jaguar of electric cars. It's, it's not selling very well because the range, again, is, you know, not, not I guess, what people want. It's not 300 miles. It's more like, I think they've up to 240 now. Uh, and the e-tron, which came out, what, two years ago, is probably starting to hit the used car market in some places. Uh, and that has an official range of 205, which I think is underrated. They can go much further than that. Uh, but still, when you're looking at, like, uh, Model X at $87,000 versus an e-tron, which is maybe a little bit cheaper, but the Model X has 320 miles of range versus uh, the e-tron at 205, you know, I mean, that's that's a big decision. Uh, and, and let's face it, electric cars are always going to be all about range. Uh, and so in that case, the e-tron loses. Yeah, now let us know in the comment section below which one of these would be your favorite. And head over to TFOcar.com for the latest and greatest in new car and new EV reviews, right? Yep. Uh, thank you, and see you guys next time. Ciao. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.